You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. So I want to I want to ask you guys before I jump into the message. This is a total sidebar. I want to ask you guys, how's the prayer challenge going? We issued a prayer challenge last week, six-week prayer challenge, and if you weren't here, you're just finding out about it now, and that's completely okay. You can join in now. It's awesome. But uh, so what we're doing for the next six weeks, well, five weeks now, I guess, is uh, we're committing to pray for, for a, a few people in our life that need an encounter with Jesus. And we're praying for these same people throughout the, the rest of the five weeks. And uh, the church has been, uh, last week, gave you a prayer to pray over these people. And, and you don't have to use that specific prayer. Uh, you can just pray over them however you f- see fit. But we want to re- equip you with, with scripture and a prayer that's derived from the scripture to pray specifically over them. And I want to be clear in our intentions of this, is that it's not a a prayer challenge where we pray for people who need an encounter with Jesus so that they would receive that encounter and then our Easter service would be bigger. That's not what it's about. We want to see people encounter the living Jesus and be changed. That's what we want. We need a prayer upgrade. I said that last week, but lot, like I feel like prayer has become this thing where we say it lots of times, but we don't do it, right? And it's become like the, I'll pray for you, has become like the latest edition of like, let's do lunch, or I'll check that out, or where you say that, and then you have like no intention of, of doing that, right? And so this is intentional an intentional commitment to prayer. And it doesn't have to be an hour-long thing. It can be, you know, five minutes, 30 minutes, two minutes, whatever you make it. But it's about being intentional every day about it. So who, anybody, anybody participating in this challenge? Cool. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I highly encourage the rest of you to pick it up this week. And let's see what God does in the lives of the people who need him. Because that's what, that's what, that's the whole purpose. Is just to pray for these people and see what God does in their lives. See what doors God opens. I'll, I'll fully admit, this week, uh, on Tuesday, I blew it. And I missed, I didn't pray for my people on Tuesday. And I, and, I mean, Angelica is shaming me there. Are you shaming me? Oh, you're saying it's okay. Thank you. Oh, good. Okay. I was like, oh, no, I don't want Angelica to shame you. That's going to hurt. But no, so I I carried a lot of shame uh, that evening once I realized rather than in the evening, you would think I would just like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'll just do it. But instead, I was like, oh, I blew it. I didn't do it in the morning. And I just carried a lot of shame, and I listened to the voice of shame, and, and I was like, oh, well, here I am, this pastor, issuing the people this challenge, the congregation this challenge, and I can't even make it through day two? Come on! And I had to stop listening to the voice of shame and just do it, right? Like, the next day, I, 
I felt sheepish, but I did it anyways. And then the next day was easier, and the next day was easier. And I had to fully admit and, and say to you guys, like, if you miss a day or if you blow it and miss a couple of days, don't listen to the voice of shame. Just pick it right back up, and let's see what God does with our prayers in, in, in these people's lives. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so at the end of the service, Brian will have this week's prayer challenge paper. So he'll be passing that out at the end of the service. So make sure you see him. Um, okay, sidebar over. Now we're going to the message. Cool. We've been in a series recently called With God on Mission. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Okay. This is week eight of With God on a Mission. And frankly, we didn't expect to do the series this long, but we just kept thinking of, of good ideas, and then we couldn't think of anything else. So we just kept <laughs> extending the series. And, um, and so the whole idea is partnering with God, like being with God on mission, on purpose, right? In the first week, Paul uh, brought a word, uh, and, and his thing was being with God on mission in the word, being purposeful with God in the word. And his, his whole thing was like, it doesn't matter if you read through the Bible in a year. If that, if that works great for you, then do it. Yes, yes, yes. If that doesn't work for you, find what does work for you. Basically, that's it, right? And uh, so being with God in the word on purpose was Paul's, was the first week. And then I brought a message about being in commu community, being with God on mission in community. Uh, we're designed to be in community. And, uh, and so, and Ricardo brought a really cool message um, about being um, with God on mission in self, right? That was your message, right, Ricardo? I forgot, so I'm asking. Yeah, okay. So that was a really cool one. Brian did uh, being with God on mission in prayer, and that's basically where he, he uh, confessed his love for Jody in, in, in prayer, in the sermon. And, and uh, you know, I mean, every time I have lunch with the guy, he's confessing his love for Jody. So he finally worked it into a sermon. But, uh, but um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Who doesn't love Jody? Honestly, come on. But. But, um, but uh, so Brian did one being purposeful in prayer, right? Talking to God. And, and then uh, Paul brought another word about being purposeful with God on mission in perseverance, right? And then Jay and Lisa, one of my favorite weeks, Jay and Lisa are back there. They brought us a message of being uh, with God on mission in the world, in the world. And so, like, uh, what is it like to be on mission with God here in our neighborhoods and in the nations, right? And in, in the nations of the earth. And, and, uh, and then Ricardo brought a really great message on liturgy that my wife uh, referenced in her um, devotion. I'm not jealous at all that um, she referenced you and not me. Um, but, um, I mean, she basically said in it that she doesn't listen to me, so. <laughs> no, I know, I know, yeah, yeah. 
Um, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. It's all fine. We're fine. <laughs> but today I want to close out this series, and I'm going to close it out in a way that you may not expect. And this is, this is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with my main point right up front, okay? So if you don't hear anything else that I say, this is the main point. And I want to close the series with this, is that you cannot be on mission with God if you are not following Jesus. You cannot be on mission with God if you are not following Jesus. Being a good person and doing good things isn't the same thing as being a Jesus follower. Jesus says it himself. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we professed in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Jesus ain't playing around. One thing, I mean, I come back to that scripture a lot um, because I just never want to be one of those people. I always want to be reminded like, like, am I just doing good things or am I, or do I know Jesus? And the, and the outpouring of my knowing Jesus is why I act and do good things. I come back to this uh, I've come back to this a lot recently. Uh, I've been thinking about um, uh, like salvation and evangelism and, and, and uh, people I know particularly in our neighborhoods that don't know Jesus. And, I, and I've really been asking myself this tough question. Ha am I okay with just being the relatively... Uh, um, kind of okay, cool, um, not weird Christian that these unsaved people aren't annoyed by, right? Am I okay with being just the relatively cool, not annoying, weird Christian that these unsaved people know and like and would call their friend? Or am I concerned enough with their salvation that I would begin to pursue God for their salvation. Because I, 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 uh, I'm highly, uh, even though I'm an introvert, I'm a weird introvert because I'm highly relational. And so I like love to build friendships with people. And, um, and, and sometimes, you know, uh, 
when the Holy Spirit begins to move and an opportunity opens that is open to where I can begin to share my story or share the gospel with someone, like, it's like there's a risk there. Like, all of a sudden, am I going to, like, walk through the door from being the not annoying Christian to the person that sets them off and is, like, revolting to them or something like that? Does that make sense? And so... I come back to the scripture because I want to carry a burden for people's salvation, not just be their friend. I want to be their friend too, don't get me wrong. But I also need to continually remind myself to carry the burden of, of their salvation. And so like... Um, you know, when this says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, you prophesied, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons and, and your, in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you get away from me, you who break God's law. First of all, what I want to recognize is that there is power in the name of Jesus. It says it plain as day right there. You cannot even know Jesus in the name of Jesus can, has power. Right? Jesus says it himself. He says, we, you will say, I did this in your name, but he says, I didn't even know you. There's power in the name of Jesus. And and, and you can do good things. The, this passage reminds us that, that you can do good things. I mean, think about it like, you know, um, casting out a, a, a demon, like, that's a pretty darn good thing. Like, you know, performing miracles, that's a good thing. Like, you can do good things, even spiritual things. But you can, like, you can do those things but not be doing the Father's will. You can not know Jesus and still be doing good things because if you, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Father. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the Father. And no one discovered this truth quite like a guy named Saul. And uh, you might know him better as the Apostle Paul. Um, this guy, uh, a common misconception is that his, at his conversion, his, his name was changed from Saul to Paul, but he actually just had like two names that he went by. Saul was his Hebrew name and Paul was his Roman name. It's kind of like when Charlie is with, Charlie Brown is with anybody else, he's Charlie, but when he's with Lucy, he's Chuck, right? Like, it's kind of like. Thank you for the courtesy laugh. I appreciate it. Um, but so he just had two names. So sometimes the scriptures, sometimes I'm going to refer to him as Saul. Sometimes I'm going to refer to him as Paul. Same dude. Okay. Got it? Okay. So Paul describes his Jewish roots in Philippians 3, 5 through 6. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. 
<laughs> I find that funny. He's just boasting in himself. I, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictness obedience of the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. This is important because any Jewish person hearing these credentials would have been thoroughly, completely impressed. Super impressed. Paul admits to his viciously persecuting the followers of Jesus, right? Um, he says he, he hunted them down. He hunted down Christians, and the Bible tells us that he was even prese uh, present while some other Pharisees stoned a Jesus follower named Stephen to death. And, and the Bible even says that Paul looked on with approval. He looked on with approval at a stoning of a Jesus follower. But Saul, also known as Paul, is about to have an encounter that will change everything. It will change everything. So let's turn to Acts 9. Um, one, we're going to read 1 through 20. And I'm going to be reading from the NLT. And this is a long passage, but it is a beautiful piece of, an, of, of Scripture. Um, Chapter 1, I mean, uh, chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. He went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation and their arrest of any followers of the way he found there, the way being the Christians. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sounds of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. 
But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about this terrible, the, the terrible things this man has done to, to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul, laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. I love that passage. I love that passage because it, it is just evidence that a life can be completely redirected by Jesus. One encounter with Jesus can transform a life. Now, what's interesting is before his encounter with Jesus, if you had asked Paul, um, you know, if he was doing the will of God, he probably would have said, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm hunting down these, pe these frauds. I'm hunting down these people who say that they know the Messiah, but they don't, right? It, 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 if if you asked him if he was following the will of God, he, he would have said yes. It, it wasn't until the encounter, it, it wasn't until he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus that Saul realized he was missing what God was really doing. Have you ever been there where, you're, where you all of a sudden realized where, that you were missing what God was really doing in your midst? And not only was he missing what God was doing, but he was actively working against God in the name of God. It wasn't until the scales fell off of his eyes and Jesus gave him eyes to see that he discovered the true will of God and his place in it. Throughout history, right up to this very day, there have been and are now people who call themselves Christians and whose actions actually, I believe, grieve the heart of God. Much like Saul's did. So how do we make sure that we don't become like that? 
how do we make sure that we are serving in, in God's will the, and, and in our proper place and in the, we are serving the one true God and not a God of our own making? The question is, I think, where do your loyalties lie? Where do your loyalties lie? God, God knows what you're passionate about because he created you. He created the passion within you, right? And I, I know for me, I, I think maybe I resonate with, with Paul so much in his conversion story because I grew up in the church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, my, my butt was at the church in a pew or under the pew, one of the two. And, and you know what? When I was a teenager, I was playing in rock bands. I discovered this, this new love for music. I, I actually always loved music ever since I was a kid, but it was like, um, you know, I, I was playing in, in bands and like listening to a lot of a different music and 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 like I was feeling really angsty towards God like I believed God was real but I just felt like he wasn't good and I remember I shared an office with a Christian uh, young woman I uh, worked at a nonprofit in in Columbus Ohio and we shared an office and she was a Christian and she was always pumping Christian music and it really got on my nerves and uh, I just, man, I was so frustrated one time, like I shut her music off. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. And I just shut it off, you know. And um, found out later that day that she was like crying in the office because she felt like, you know, I was persecuting her for being a Christian. Like, and, um, and I got like, Years later, after my conversion, I got to tell her, like, hey, I'm so sorry for that. And guess what? I'm a pastor now. How weird is that? <laughs> right? And she hugged me. And, you know, she was like, I've been praying. I, I was praying for you even back then. See, God, you know, God knows our passions. Like, I had this passion for music. And then when I, when I became saved, like, I, I remember, I'll never forget walking into the service at Risen King in Redding, California for the first time after being saved and hearing this music, this worship music. And I just felt a whisper in my heart, like, this is where your passion is supposed to be. Like, this is it right here. Like, like just a subtle redirection. Like I created you to, to, to love music, but like, man, this is what I've created you to do. Not the, not the, not the other thing, you know? And, and, and like Paul was incredibly passionate about serving God. Like if you asked him if he was following, if he was doing God's will, he would have said yes. Like Paul was passionate about serving God, he was just going about it the wrong way. And, but God created Paul with that passion, and God chose Paul to take the message of Jesus to the Gentiles because of that passion. 
And when Paul encountered Jesus, his passion found a new, solid foundation in the truth. Right? A center that was aligned with God, God's will for Paul's life. A center that was aligned with God's will for Paul's life, right? And uh, God knows what you're passionate about. He created you. He knows, I, I was praying for healing for someone this morning before church, and, and I said to him, I was like, God knows your body better than you, better than any doctor, no offense, Mark, um, like, God created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He gave you your passions. So are your passions placed in the proper foundation? That's where Paul got realigned. That's where I got realigned, right? And so here's the thing is you can be doing good things, things that you're passionate about. You can be doing even spiritual things and not be with God on mission. So here's my question as the worship team comes back. Have you had an encounter with Jesus? This message has been brewing in my heart for weeks now. And I am just trusting God that whoever needs to hear this message is here or connected online. Like, have you had an encounter with Jesus where you were different afterward? Where your loyalty shifted and Jesus became your center? Where Jesus became the foundation for your passion, for your action. Has Jesus given you eyes to see like he did Paul? Because being a good person and doing good things isn't the same thing as being a loyal Jesus follower. Just like doing what seems to be good things doesn't mean you're doing the will of God. This Paul that we've been talking about, this same guy who's also called Saul, like who was present at the stoning of Stephen and looking on with approval, who uh, was persecuting the church, he wrote most of the New Testament of our Bible, right? Paul's life changed dramatically, and so can yours. You can receive Jesus in your life right now. Our prayer scripture this week was John 14, 6, and it says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one 
comes to the Father except through me. No one can partner with God except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. The very first outward sign of Paul's conversion is that he was baptized. Did you notice that in the scripture? He was healed, he regained his sight, and he was baptized. Easter Sunday this year, in just five weeks, we are going to baptize some people here, right here in service. And if you haven't been baptized, I would highly, highly encourage you to speak to me or one of the leaders or speak to someone at the info booth. We would love to have the opportunity to baptize you this morning, or on Easter morning, rather, not this morning. I mean, we can do it this morning. I've got some water here. Um, are you guys tracking with this message? You, you hearing what I'm saying? Because if I left this stage and felt like you, I didn't give you what God gave me to tell you, I would I'd be kicking myself later. I just want you to know, like, I watch the news, I read the headlines, and I see so many people doing things in the name, uh, under the name Christian, that I just think grieve the heart of God, and I want to be a community that Jesus knows each and every one of us. So if that's, if, if you are wanting to receive Jesus today, I just want to have everybody close their eyes and bow their heads, and we're not going to do any hand raising or any kind of stuff like that. Um, if you're online, I just encourage you right now to bow your head and close your eyes. And Father, if you want to pray the prayer of salvation, with me let's do it Jesus I confess that you are the way the truth and the life and I recognize that no man comes to the Father except through you I receive you as my way I receive you as my truth and I receive you as my life and I give my life to you lead me father in your will father I confess you Jesus be the Son of God. Holy Spirit, I confess you to being the Spirit of God who dwells in every Jesus follower, and I invite you to dwell in me. Father God, I devote myself to you. I devote every fiber of my body that you knit together to you. Live through me. 
love through me and use me as you see fit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and everybody said, amen. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.